Market meltdown. Evergrande. Evergrande. Contagion. Inflation. Uranium melting down. Is it all about to end? I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge, and this is episode 135 of Bizarro World. Is that correct, Nick? Is this episode 135? Uh, Sequentially, I think so, because last one was 134. Is that how it works? (laughs) Fucking amazing. How are you doing, Mr. Hodge? I have a bit of, uh, I don't know what it is, laryngitis or quasi-lack <laughs> l- of a voice, but uh, I'm there 100% uh, <laughs> mentally, and uh, sorry that I sound a little sling bladeish. No, 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 no. You you, you, you sound raspy and uh, ready to get into the, uh, the, the isms of the market. Let's get right into it. Uh, somewhere, Harry Dent is jumping up and down, clapping his hands excitedly. I'm telling everybody how he's been right for the past 12 years. Um, that the market is melting down and that the sell-off is the beginning of the end. And I, 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 I'm pretty sure that you know how I feel about it, but I would love to get your more nuanced take on the overall major U.S. indices. Let's get into that first, right? At its low, the market closed down. It was down some almost a thousand points. Thousand. Yep. yep. I think it closed uh, just shy of 600 points down. So, you know, there there, 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 there was some buying that came in. Um here later in the day but obviously you know they got all the boxes on cnbc and you got all the uh all the tweets going up and um your thoughts what do you think it was a fun day so it was the (laughs) um air quotes worst sell off in the past six months and so i mean Mm. you know that's half a year and so there's something to be said for that it was a a heck of a sell-off especially as it I went past, you know, where it opened up sort of down 600 to, to seven, eight, nine, almost down a thousand points on the Dow, like you said. Um, you know, uh, narratives are narratives. Uh, fear is fear. And if it bleeds, it leads. Uh, but I think it's uh, another buy the dip opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, e- e- even though it was a bit more abrupt and a bit more, um, let's go with stiff than once in the in the past <laughs> couple of months. And word choice is important, Gerardo. Stiff ones. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, in the middle of the day, I was uh, a little bit scared, right? I got a little emotional. But, you know, then what happened? I pulled up my charts and I, I checked the things that I've been telling you all to check, right? Where is the VIX at? Where is the, the dollar at? And so uh, for me, on days like this, I, I stay glued to the VIX. And so um i had actually tweeted last week that there's no fear in the market at all right and then here you get this little uh thing today and so i I put up a chart this morning you know uh, we can get into evergrande if you want that's the uh long answer gerardo sorry that's the chinese uh real estate firm that you know all the media companies and the news are blaming today's sell-off on but that situation's sort of been uh developing for a while in reality i don't think you need a reason it was just time for uh, a sell-off, right? But nonetheless, uh, China's got this Evergrande company, you know, one of the largest real estate companies in China. Uh, China cracked down on, on you know, sort of the, 
that part of the industry and there's concerns. Well, not concerns. They're not going to fucking make their bond payment. Basically, the bond <laughs> is, is, is already down. Like the bond, their bonds had already sold off. And so the, the worries is that, you know, people that had invested, uh, given them money for real estate projects would lose that money and then there would be global contagion. So, um, you know, that's a fun thing to, to, to run with and, 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 and a good reason, I guess, to, to have a global stock meltdown. But I don't think that's going to be the case here. And so if you look at the VIX, which is what I was talking about, um, I posted a trend line this morning saying global contage yawn. Like I was yawning. It's not be a, <laughs> uh, a global meltdown, right? And then a couple hours later, sure enough, right on the nose is where the, the VIX went to its uh, downward downward trend line. It didn't you know, want to punch through it. So it turned around. It was the same uh way that stocks turned around at the end of the day and so I, I gave you a long answer there but you wanted a bit of uh nuance i don't think that this market comes crashing down i think that the fed is meeting this week to tell you about how much more dovish they're going to be and that they're still not going to taper because they can't um and i think that uh you know, our earning season is right around the corner and i think that you'll, you'll get to get some reality instead of uh narrative and and what else do i think um, I think inflation is still rampant, like absolutely rampant, and no one is talking about it because transitory and rampant got their ass kicked <laughs> off the field. Get the fuck off the field, team transitory dumbasses. Uh, well, look, obviously, uh, love the nuance take. Completely agree on the VIX. Uh, definitely elevated fear in the market. I am going to give the simple analysis and put my tinfoil hat on. I don't think it's a coincidence that the Fed begins a two-day meeting tomorrow. <laughs> and I think all this is traders and the market signaling to Mr. Powell to behave himself. I really do believe it's that simple. Um, you know, I think, I think for all of the fear in the market today, it didn't seem too chaotic. I mean, everything was down. Let's get into it. Uranium pulled back 20%. I'll, I'll I'll spare you the, the 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 suspense. I think that's a heck of an opportunity. Uh, 20, 30, 40 percent, heck, 50% corrections after the price run that those companies have had in the uranium space, more than justified. Um, Bitcoin down to 42, 43,000. I think that's an opportunity. The overall US indices down a couple of percentage points. Really, you know, not 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 too big a deal. It's 1.7%. On the day, if the temperature dropped from 95 degrees to 93 and a half, would you, would you, you know, would you be <laughs> fearful? I, I don't know. It didn't seem, it didn't seem like a chaotic sell-off to me. It seemed pretty orderly in the way the market closed today. The major U.S. indices, um, I, I think they're just signaling to, to Jerome to make sure he's got his act together for the next couple of days. Thoughts on the uranium sell-off opportunity or do they have a little bit more pulling back to do there, Mr. Hodge? I haven't pulled up a chart specifically, but I think it's an opportunity mm. no matter how you look at it, right? Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, and like you said, they were due to sell off. It was nice that you got it commensurately with a, a broader market sell off, right? And so it was a nice little catalyst for that to happen. Um, the Sprott is still buying, and, and you've been writing about this a lot more, you know, over 1.3 billion that, uh, at the market facility is uh, up to now. And um what what else is you know the uranium price has only gotten to 50 bucks right still not where it has to be for the global cost of production and so 
um, I think it's a it's an opportunity. Um, you know, uh, opportunity looks different in everybody's lap. So if you if you didn't have any, it's certainly an opportunity to uh, get in. If you were already in, um, depending on how you managed it this far, it's an opportunity to to re-add, or it's an opportunity to to watch everyone else scramble. I mean, it depends on where you are and when you bought, right? And 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 what your end game is. And I think this is a good opportunity, Nick. You know, as it relates to whether it's uranium or Bitcoin or gold or you know your favorite explorer, whatever whatever sector you speculate in, real estate. Um, it's so important, so important to define your timelines. It's so important to define your risk tolerance. It's so important to, to, to really know why you're risking speculative capital in the markets. I mean, there are no guarantees. So if you are in the uranium space for a double or a triple and you can't stomach a 30 or 40% loss um, on any given day or any given week, maybe you don't want to speculate in that sector right now because this is a very, very volatile sector. You know, we have companies that were 10 cents, you know, just over a year ago that traded as high as a buck 18. I'm talking fission uranium now and closed today at 89 cents. That kind of market volatility, when you get the kind of gains that we've seen in the uranium space is going to continue on. Um, but 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 I I I I liken it to a kind of like a slingshot, right? You need that new energy. You need to get those 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 soft hands, those shaky hands, those nervous Nellies out of the market for the next run up. Things cannot continue to go straight up. So Harry Dent may have been right today, but I suspect by the end of the year, Harry Dent will still be Harry Dent and will be a great contrarian indicator. I also suspect that those of you out there that believe that this uranium bull market is um, is still a couple of years off. Um, good luck with that. I think you're late, um, and I think you know. I think I think we're we're in the very very early stages. If you want to use a football analogy, since football is back, it's you know we're halfway through the first quarter of the game in the uranium space. So a lot to like there, Mister Mister Hodge. Are you still holding? Are you still hodling? Are you 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 sit on your Bitcoin or did you tap that? Nope, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hodler. Uh, <laughs> I'm not buying any more here. It, that was a, a heck of a punch in the face. That was a 10% drawdown uh, very quickly in the in the Bitcoin. No, I'm a I'm a I'm a holder. I'm not trading the uh, Bitcoin, and uh, I guess a couple of reasons I can give you. One is that there's not zero transaction costs yet, like there is with stocks, and so I actually have to pay when I move capital in and out of cryptocurrencies, and I don't like that. Um, and so I'd like to be very uh, high conviction on the moves, and and frankly move larger amounts if I'm going to to move in and out of uh, Bitcoin. And so um, I haven't looked at buying more uh, since we were having that twenty five, twenty eight thousand dollar level talk a, a bit ago. And the other reason is that um, I want to do a bit more investigating into into uh, Ethereum. I might start to mm. initiate uh, a position uh, there as well as it relates to, and you know this, this is nothing earth shattering, it's functionality and its place in the, the future of fintech. And uh, actually, it's something that I said about Bitcoin, uh, the the cost of transactions, uh, namely that they're cheaper with Ethereum. And so... Uh, anyway, no, I'm content to, to hold my Bitcoin uh, up significantly. I sense a report on cryptos coming. Mm, perhaps. <laughs> Inflation. Do, do, do we want to get into that? I mean, look, there's not much to say. We've been saying it, whether you're a subscriber of Nick's letters, my letters, um, you just listen to this podcast. 
Uh, you hear us rant and rave on other platforms at, at at a conference, whatever the case may be. Anybody that knows us knows which side we're on. We've we've long said that you know this inflation is 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 go- going to become structural. And you know every now and then somebody puts a chart up of of lumber pulling back thirty percent. They ignore the first six seven hundred percent move higher. But um, wh- wh- where are you on inflation, Nick? Well, and they ignored lumber over the past month because it was back up another 25 or 30 percent uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in, in the past couple of weeks. No, look, I don't hear a lot from Team Transitory uh, anymore. In fact, I hear either outright lies like this was uh, part of our model or, you, you know, they back out everything that's actually up. So it fits their model, which is also basically a lie. It's an untruth. Um and I see basically inflation continuing to to run rampant in all sorts of things. Um, like the CRB commodity index, for example, mm-hmm. is continues to go up. Like it did not pull back. Record highs, everybody. Yeah. yeah. And so um, the other thing I was going to point to was lithium. I mean, I saw mm-hmm. one uh, one thing last week where uh, the price had nearly doubled from July to August in a spodamine uh, auction in Australia. And so... Um, yeah. And then, you know, housing continues to go up. And so, um, and of course, gas and stuff is still expensive. And so, um, inflation continues to be run away and, and, you know, that's how you sort of get, I I think, mired in the, uh, the complexity of markets, but to bring it back home, right. The, the fed has been uh, buying these bonds. They bought themselves into a corner because if you take your thumb off the bond scale, the interest rates go up and then the debt is such that you can't make your interest rate payments a la Evergrande, right? And so- Evergrande. Um, that, that's sort of, I don't know how you say that's sort of, that's sort of, uh, that's sort of where we are. And, 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 and at the same time, that backing into a corner has profound effects for the, for the average person in the country who- um, doesn't seem to to understand those profound effects in time. Profound effects. Uh, my home here pivoting a little bit. You know, my brain, my 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 weird brain and the weird connections it makes. So speaking of profound effects, my home state of Zacatecas, where my parents are, are, are where we're all from, and, and where where my parents live, is now number one for the highest rate of homicides per hundred thousand residents. Nick, we did it. We sorry are. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that as well. We are now at 52 homicides per hundred thousand inhabitants. To put some perspective to that, Austin, which is growing very, very quickly, um, you know, is is a city of approximately a million people. And here in Austin, we just had you know our 60th murder, which is an all-time high for Austin. More people, more violence. You know, we can get into the reasons why another time. But I point that out to say that in all, if, if Zacatecas had the population at this rate, they wouldn't be Austin wouldn't be dealing with you know 60 murders. They'd be close to 600. So just some context and perspective about how crazy the situation is out there. And 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 for those of you that look at those numbers and and are are just you know blown away, these are just the reported murders. Because I, I have news for a lot of you: a lot of families don't report when people go missing for fear of retribution. You know, a lot of people have sons or daughters kidnapped or taken, and you know, a, a lot of people have nothing to do with anything. But some people have things to do with things, and so when some family members come up missing, oftentimes. Those kidnappings or those deaths aren't even reported. Um, and there's so many 
big, big, large scale <laughs> clandestine graves, you know, clandestine graves where people are, are brought out 10, 20, 30 at a time and just, you know, kind of dug up. And so anyhow, yeah, profound effects, um, drug profits, uh, the, the non-decriminalization of drugs and American guns and Israeli guns uh, equals Zacatecas, which again, pivoting and making a connection, you know, we now have 8,000 Haitians at the Mexican border. And, you know, for all of the, the 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 scaremongering that goes on on Twitter and the news, you know, Haiti's suffering from their president being assassinated, an earthquake. Um, we talked about this months ago, how, you know, it, it, it was going, we're going to start seeing more dislocations and situations with countries where the instability that's happening is going to lead to people literally just fighting for their lives and being hungry and trying to figure out how to provide for themselves and their kids. And I think, you know, it's it's so sad what we're seeing at the border. And I got to say, this administration is is sitting on its ass. And, and so far, I haven't seen anything Anything that says humanitarian, um, uh, humanitarian America, or, you know, let's not kick people while they're down. I see quite the opposite with some of the articles that I'm reading by some of the bigger outlets. So, you know, it, it's not to say we just open our borders and allow everybody in. I think there's a better approach. Um, but we also shouldn't be whipping, literally whipping people that are just trying to figure out how to get some water, how to get some food, how to get, you know, sustenance for their kids. I think there's a better approach. And I'm kind of disappointed that as a country, we can't do better. Well, you know, the whole immigration system is broken, Gerardo. I mean, you you know that. And so there's a whole bigger, larger issue going on there that is, again, not as uh, complex as uh, markets pretend to be either, right? Um, and then you have to, uh, you know, get into all the, the pet causes, uh, the reasons why it doesn't get fixed, uh, influence and things like that. And so um in a very real way uh, what you say is true and they're turning them uh, away at the board of the articles i was reading were saying that they're going to send them uh back to haiti right and so uh, at the same time have uh, a big afghani uh refugee problem as well that was uh, in large part uh caused by the the u.s and so the u.s accepting uh refugees on that front as well i'm not one to have all the answers on that front except to say that I see it in, in our community. I mean, you know, my daughter's, I think, project for this week was to, uh, you know, bring some school supplies and things for the, the Afghani families that were, you know, being resettled in, in the Spokane mm-hmm. area. And so it's affecting uh, people all over and, and people all over lending support. And so, um, you know, that's how I try to look at it, help where I can. I'm, if I were a senator or a congressman, maybe I think about it differently. But um yeah, certainly a, a big issue there that, that needs to be addressed and, and certainly could 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 be if anybody had uh, a conviction to get it done. Look, we had a situation here in Austin that is a different situation, but, you know, for similar reasons, right? Um, people in trouble, mental health and everything that goes along with homelessness. And our downtown had a situation where for the past couple of years, it just, you know, it was it was it was. It, it, it's homeless people all over the place, right? And and people were setting up literal campsites downtown overlooking, you know, the Colorado River, right? Million dollar views and you couldn't walk down the sidewalk. They 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 went ahead and reversed the, um, well, let me, let me provide some context. Let me back up. A year and a half or two ago, there was a law that was passed that basically allowed for anyone to camp outside. And that turned into basically homeless people going, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to pitch a tent right here in front of the river and the lake and just kind of take over the, the downtown era, pre- predominantly the nicer part of town. 
um, where all the tourism happens. And so if you've been Austin for the last couple of years, you've seen the homelessness presence just increase, increase, increase. They reversed the decision to allow public camping. They did this uh, a month and a half ago, and they had a a three-phase program to either relocate or help provide shelter or um, help provide resources to the people that were downtown. Today, you drive downtown, you you may see a homeless person somewhere in a corner somewhere. It's not anything like it was. So what changed? Political will, um, being proactive. Both sides coming together and coming through on some common sense, le- common sense legislation. Um, we can do things proactively before the problems happen because guess what, people? Problems will continue to happen. Um, it's interesting to me that when I see the instability in Haiti and in Cuba and in Mexico and we talk about a broken immigration system, a system that, by the way, hasn't done anything to address legal or illegal immigration since at least 1987, the last time Ronald Reagan, um, you know, allowed a lot of people, including my parents, to gain residency if they could provide proof that they had been paying taxes, even if it was under a different social security number. And if if, if they could pass a background check, if they didn't have any felonies. So if you were being a law-abiding citizen, you had paid your taxes, um, and, and, and you were compliant, you could, you could apply for your residency and work your way into the system, come out from the shadows, contribute. And look, you know, in 87, I don't know if people remember, but we were in the midst of a recession in, in, in the country. And, and I think, you know, allowing people to come out of the shadows and providing structural upward mobility helped the real estate market come back. The nineties, we had obviously an economy that was booming again. It was working for a lot of people. And today, you know, it's, it's the complete opposite. I, I, we still haven't done anything about immigration. Wealth inequality is at an all time high. I read an article this week, Nick, where (laughs) this is fucking hilarious, funny, not funny. The fed chief Jerome Powell, um, was owning the same securities that the central bank was buying during this whole COVID pandemic. And when CNBC reached out, the Fed said, oh no, I owned those municipal bonds in question in a joint account over which I had no control, right? And a, a, a managed account that he said was a blind account. He didn't, he didn't own it. So CNBC does some digging and now it turns out it was, he owned it in a family trust. Um, you know, he, he, he owned it in an account, which he had control. It wasn't in the family trust. And so now that the fed's been caught and it's not just the fed that's done this, Pelosi's done it. A lot of other people have done it. Ron Paul did it. Rand Paul, excuse me. Um, now they're going to have what they say is a review of the policy to, um, avoid the appearance of impropriety. What a crock of shit. No shit, Sherlock, right? As, as, as my friend Paul would say, it's just, I think it speaks to the hypocrisy in the markets. I think it speaks to the hypocrisy in our country. And I think it speaks to the hypocrisy in the world that there is political will to find solutions to things when we want there to be and turn a blind eye to everything when there, 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 there's no good reason um, to actually do things other than it's the right thing to do. And, you know, we, we, we should all work on doing more of the right thing, whether or not people are looking. Wow, 100%. That's the golden rule, right? That's what global religions and things are uh, based on. But you don't need the pious deities to be a good human is what I've always concluded. 
Um, and yes, of course, the, the hypocrisy is rampant. I don't know where you want to go from there, but there's plenty more to talk about. Ah, fire. <laughs> oh, fire. gosh. Well, I guess I would talk about Facebook, right? Um, and how, you know, what you always knew is now coming out as truth, right? It's, you know, the things that you know that you can see, right? Um, mm. that have been apparent for years are now, you know, coming out in the open, whether that's like you were just talking about the Fed, um, you know, uh, using itself as its own backstop or profiting from its actions with its uh, personal members or um, here in, in, in Facebook's case of what's coming out in the past week. And there's all sorts of stuff, um, uh, namely that uh, they let a large group of quote unquote influencers uh, <laughs> operate outside their their rules, basically say things that were against their their stated public discourse rules as far as uh, misinformation, disinformation, conspiracies, etc. And, and we also learned that um, groups outside of the U.S. control some very large uh, Facebook groups that are like U.S. centric. Um, and like social media lobbyist. <laughs> That's what it sounds es- like. Essentially, yeah, like non-U.S. groups control like the largest African-American Facebook group and large Native American and women like American women Facebook groups. But they're operated by shady non-U.S. based uh, people. Right. And so their only aim is, uh, like I just said, mis- disinformation. And uh, they're not, you know, what they're what they purport to be. So. Um, and then the other thing we learned about Facebook and Instagram this week is that they know how bad their algorithm is for teens, uh, but you know, how it contributes to anxiety and depression and, and all this sort of stuff and, and yet don't do anything about it. So, uh, yeah, writing on the wall and I think people starting to, uh, realize it. And then I guess I would also have to talk about uh, taxes. I don't know. Hmm. I'm just sort of jumping all over the place, but welcome to uh, my world, you know, Nick. <laughs> I know you had, you had AOC wearing the dress last week at the at the gala, right? The Met Gala tax the rich, which sort of you know drove the narrative. Uh, she looked good too. There's all sorts of things you can say about <laughs> that, right? I mean, the Met Gala itself is uh, you know it's. Uh, I, I think people are, don't even know what it is. I'm, Frankly, I'm not even uh, tuned into what it is, but I think people see that it's sort of like the aristocracy uh, putting on a show is the point I want to uh, make. Right. Uh, and I'm going to start with the masks and I'll get to the taxes. But I'm sure you've seen the images of like no one on the red carpet wearing a mask. But like the people who are carrying the tails of their dress, including Miss AOC, are masked up. Right. And just the blatant, I mean, blatant visual hypocrisy of seeing an image of that. Right. Um, uh and you should know that there's something amiss there, right? Um, when they're telling you to do one thing. And I'm just talking about the masks. I haven't even gotten to the taxes yet. Um, and, and you can see them doing uh, the other. And I, I got to talk about the San Francisco mayor just for a second, mm-hmm. who was, you know, caught. Uh, I don't know what she was doing at a club, getting her vibe on uh, <laughs> and, 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 and vibing and saying that, you know, she was caught up in, in the spirit of the moment and she was eating and drinking. And and that's exactly the fucking point. Right. Like I've been saying for months, like, why do I have to wear a mask when I walk into a restaurant, but not when I sit down? It simply doesn't pass the common sense test. But here, instead of just saying that, she gets up there and defends herself. Right. And it's like, no, that's fucking hypocrisy. Like, it doesn't make sense. You were up there 
there fucking shaking your booty with your mask off. Clearly, you don't think that you got to wear masks. Like, don't come the next day when you're sober and tell me that you got to wear masks. Anyway, on to the taxes. Um, (laughs) AOC goes to this event with all her rich pals. She's got no problem palling around with the rich and is no doubt increasing her net worth as she goes through Congress. Um, you know, she likes to make a statement, which good for her. She drives the narrative just like Elon Musk does. And, and, and she's good at that. And she did it again, um, except uh, some hypocritical things to point out. Uh, the designer of her dress owed back taxes. Um, so <laughs> rich in irony. I think that was your tweet. So good. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. You know, and so like you're wearing like a, a dress by a designer, like you are in the rich. Right. And so now let's distinguish from the rich and the super rich and the corporations, which she needs to do a better job at doing. Um, the, the rich is one thing. The rich pay their taxes. I'm rich. I pay my taxes. Yeah. You're rich. You pay your taxes. The wealthy don't pay their taxes and the corporations don't pay their taxes. And there is a distinction and it needs to be made by her and others because they do themselves a disservice when they call and they say tax the rich because they get people like me riled up who would otherwise be on their side. And so then you get a report this week, uh, just today, in fact, I think from uh, I think it was the New York Times. Uh, if not, we'll get my retraction next week. Um, that, uh, <laughs> like the Fed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That exactly goes on what you think and what you always say goes on, Gerardo, that the largest uh, counting firms in the country encourage their upper management uh, constituents, employees to go do a stint um, with the government to get tax rules changed in favor of their wealthiest uh, clients, individuals and corporations, and then go back into the private world to become partner um, and get higher uh, uh, pay, uh, higher pay. And so it, here's just one example, like Deloitte has been doing this for years, would you know, would send someone uh, over to uh, the Treasury Department. This is just one rule that got changed, right, to get like restaurants included as manufacturers by saying that they <laughs> manufacture. Did you read this? Because you're laughing already. Mm-hmm. They, ma- they manufacture slices of cheesecake in, in, out of a whole cheesecake, right? So they get restaurants included in the tax break during their stint at Treasury. And then they go back to Deloitte and become whatever, you know, head of restaurant group accounting, right? And that is the payola. That is the revolving door. That is exactly how it works. It's right out there in the open. And it is the uber super wealthy in corporations. It is not the rich and AOC has her finger on the wrong pulse. Uh, and if you uh, believe otherwise, then I think you got your finger on the wrong pulse as well, because it's clear as day uh, what's going on with the taxes. And then you get uh, Biden up there talking about how no corporations uh, pay taxes in the, in, in the past year. Yeah, well, no shit, because uh, they got these loopholes open that, that you guys don't close. Let's focus on that instead of uh, the rich and, you know, uh, cutting off the uh, whatever, you know, uh, you know, a high income in the, in the hundreds of thousands when we're talking about people with uh, hundreds of millions, right? And again, it's about accountability and focusing the attention where it should be, right? We all want accountability. We all want uh, people to, 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 to pay their fair share. We want government to manage it correctly. But I completely agree. Miss AOC and, you know, for all the brilliance that's there because she is a very qualified, intelligent young lady absolutely has to message better when it comes to this tax the rich stuff because yeah it's sassy and yeah you look good in the dress girl and yeah it was a cute dress and you made your point but man what a wasted opportunity 
what a wasted opportunity with everything going on to really drive home, you know, a, a point of accountability as opposed to just marginalizing um, maybe people that aren't the problem, like you said, right? I'm, I'm not wealthy. I'm rich. Um, and, and yeah, I make the IRS wait a little bit cause that's how I do it, but I absolutely pay my taxes. And so, you know, to, 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 to frame it in a way that further divides, um, people contributing to the system in, in a pretty substantial way. Um, and, 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 and people that contribute and, and help provide the little social safety net that we provide for people in this country. Uh, I think it's disingenuous. I don't know if that was her intent, but it didn't come off. Um, and mind you, again, you and I, Nick, are speaking from a position of privilege as, you know, being, being doing all right for ourselves. Right. So of course we took a little offense to it. I did as well. Um, but yeah, missed opportunity and, uh, hopefully she messages a little better on that one. Mm. Yeah. 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 I, I, I agree. Love it. Love it. You got blood on your hands, Nick. Ah, uh, yes. Now I can do the right. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, let me a little, a little bit of context. And, and sorry, this actually, I laughed. Like, I laughed at this. And I don't even know the guy's name. So so let me pull it up before I go. You do that. Go and I'll, 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 I'll provide the segue. You know why I thought about the blood on your hands thing? Because of the dress. And it said tax the rich and red. Oh, like yeah. the blood. And that's where my dumb brain went. So that's what that was. <laughs> blood that's on your hands, Mr. Hodge. <laughs> so, you know, you remember. Uh, obviously, after 9-11, there was uh, some country songs that gained a lot of traction and uh -huh. sold a lot of albums. Uh, Toby Keith was talking about whatever, you know, going to war. And Alan Jackson was talking about where were you when the world stopped turning? Mm. And uh, I mean, giant, giant songs. I don't know if they won Grammys or not, but huge songs are still big to uh, this day. Right. And so uh, the other day I saw. Um, a conservative singer-songwriter John Rich tweets about another song. You know, he's big on the conservative side of things. I'm sure you knew that. But he tweeted about this other song that this other guy named John Andresik had put out. And the song was called um, Blood on My Hands. I've got blood on my hands. And it was about um, that dark, dark day that uh, no one will soon forget in American history that was surely on par with 9-11 and other major events and needs to be uh, commemorated in a, in a country song, the Afghan pullout he wrote a song about. And it's about how he's got blood on his hands. And I thought this was, <laughs> um, well, I thought it was funny because <clears throat> first of all, I don't know who this guy is, but uh, it seemed like a shameless and, and I'm just going to call it what it is, a shameless uh, way to capitalize on a fan base that you know will be receptive to, mm -hmm. uh, such, to such messaging, right? Now, um, you know, uh, I, I don't want to say he should have written a song about other administrations because you could say that. Um, I don't want to say that this guy isn't like a... a uh, a real a American staunch <laughs> supporter of the war in Afghanistan, which I'm sure he's been talking about fervently before this month. Sure he has. Uh, and last month. Um, but it just seemed like, uh, you know, perfect. Just like, uh, you know, everybody caters to their base and, and everything is hyper partisan. And it just was the perfect encapsulation of that for me, how. You know, uh, two weeks after the Afghan pullout, you've got a song out about how we've got blood on our hands and you don't understand what's going on. And um, 
you just want to you just want to understand and you've got blood on your hands. It's like, oh, yeah, man, like, have you paid attention to American foreign policy for the past like half a fucking century? Like, like, where the fuck? Where have you been, guy? And so anyway, um, it sounded to me like this guy was trying to, to Alan Jackson, the uh, Afghan pullout. And I thought it spoke to a similar. It was just the same. man. And, and I guess that's how I'll frame it. Like mm-hmm. this guy. This guy putting out this song is the same as AOC wearing yep. her dress. It's just fucking red meat for their base. And it doesn't mean anything or impact you one way or the other. So fucking ignore it. Tied in beautifully. I, I couldn't have said that better myself, Mr. Hodge. Excellent work. Um, yeah. It, you know, both sides do it. And again, we can we could be so much more productive. We can be so much better as a country and as human beings. We just went back to some common sense and some, some, some accountability and like fact based narratives, as opposed to, I just want to be right. And, you know, cat call my base and, and dog whistle to my base on both sides of it. Um, all you're going to get is the same group of people nodding their heads in the same direction. Hard to make progress when you're just talking to yourself. That's it. And so, yeah, you know, for me, you know, just to bring it back to, I guess, what our messaging is, is, you know, is doing those things for yourself. Right. And like, um, you know, I have a good I have a good tax plan. I have a good tax attorney and uh, I'm a libertarian when it comes to war and didn't think that we should have been there uh, anyway. So at the end of the day, I'm not affected by this country song, the Afghan pullout. Um, or what Miss AOC is talking about because I've focused on myself instead of whatever they've been talking about, right? Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely agree. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I failed to make a point that I wanted to make when you were talking about Facebook. And that's, you know, there was a report earlier last week, again, saying what we already knew, but just how toxic social media can be um, and, and just how, um, how, how detrimental it is specifically um, to young girls, right? And so I, I it, it's worthwhile. Um, it's a good read. I'll put a link up. But, you know, the headline from the Wall Street Journal was Facebook knows Instagram is toxic for teen girls. And, and this was verified through company documents, right? And so, you know, of, of 98 students, I think that responded to an internal uh, survey, nearly 90% said that social media affected them negatively. And so, Look, if you're a parent, if you have teens, especially if you have, you know, young girls at home, um, so important to have these conversations with your kids and and, and just be as aware as you possibly can. Uh, because, man, it can be a real shit show on there, as you know, Nick. It, it's incredible, right? And, I, you know, I think for a long time I thought that antitrust or oligopoly legislation or whatever was going to come for uh Facebook and it seems like you know that that's finally uh, coming home to roost people are finally starting to excuse me get that message and you know going back to the to the politics like those are the things that should have been like an issue of five ten years ago right like regulating these tech companies and um, in an era where things move as fast as they do you can't have a government uh, that responds as slowly as it does and that's part of what has to institutionally change right to uh, better regulate these industries as fast as uh, the industries uh, pop up and uh, change and morph and it's rampant I'm going to make a segue here I hope you don't mind but like um, 
you know, breaking up tech has, has been on the wall for a long time and they're just getting around to go. On. Uh, they're just now getting around to it. And I'm going to talk about the chicken now because you know, <laughs> we've known for a long time uh, about these industrial ag companies, how bad they are. You know, forget the animals. I mean, they treat the animals horribly uh, and that's bad, but they treat their workers uh, horribly mm. as well. And uh, and they price fix and they collude together and they get caught doing it all the time, whether it's for. I don't know, pork jowls or chicken feed or whatever it is. And it's like um, they're routinely getting caught doing this and uh, it should be a, a much bigger issue than it is because it actually uh, affects Americans. And so um, you and I have talked about uh, how we feed our families and the things we eat. And I've talked a lot about where we buy our meat from and why. And, you know, I'll give Mr. Dines a plug here. He's been telling you to eat organic for a long, long time because hmm. of the, the pesticides and the chemicals that they use and, and how that contributes to to lifespans and, and cancers. But anyway, so I don't know if you saw the story about the chicken this week, but um, for a while, you know, chicken from the grocery store has been kind of gross. It's mm-hmm. not like as, as, as tender as it should be. The breasts are gigantic. We know why. They inject them with the growth hormones to get the breasts as big as possible because uh, it's capitalism, right? So they can, you know, raise them for the shortest amount of time, get the most amount of meat, and then also price fix the market on top of that. It's so, <laughs> fucking brilliant. <laughs> and so this week we learned that 100%. 100% of the chicken sold in U.S. Uh, stores has uh, the white stripe disease, the white striping. And that comes from uh, the chickens uh, being too heavy to support their own weight, that they have to reduce the That's weight insane. of their muscles, the breast, by uh, incorporating layers of fat into the into the muscle tissue so that the breast doesn't weigh as much. Um this is now in every uh, in industrial chicken. Uh, you can't get a chicken breast that doesn't have this disease. And it's a disease. And um, w- there was uh, something else I was going to say there. It's, uh, so first of all, you know, we haven't been buying chicken for a while. And, and I don't mean to pound my chest. I mean to, to show you how the markets impact your life and how you can see sort of things uh, materializing and avoid them, right? Similar to moving your family to Austin or Spokane, right? Mm. You know, similar to stopping to eat uh, industrial uh, mechanized uh, farmed meat because of uh, this that's uh, going on in there. And so, um, yeah, I didn't really uh, have a follow-up to that other than to say that's sort of uh where capitalism has been compressed down to and that's what uh things are starting to reverberate off of right like that's an extreme like 100 percent of your chickens being affected by a disease because of the constraints of your uh, not the constraints because of the uh how your market operates that you're driven to the bottom line such that now all your chicken is disease like that's an extreme. You can't operate at extremes, right? It's not good. And so you have to come back to some median of that, right? Um, and and I think that's what's happening across all sorts of industries and institutions. I just pick on the chicken because that was uh, in the news this week. Well, and I, and I, I think the chicken is a good metaphor for, you know, wh- where we've been trending. You know, we, we talk about Afghanistan. This is a, a, a debacle 20 years in the making that both sides contributed to. Um, we knew exactly how it was going to end from the beginning. I, I don't think, uh, I, I almost feel like it was just a 20-year gig for defense contractors to get their weight up. And when I say weight, I mean money. 
and accounts at, 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 at a cost of American and Iraqi and Afghani um, and Middle Eastern lives and treasure. And so, you know, 20 years of a Titanic type situation where all you had to do was look up. Immigration we touched on earlier. It's been over 35 years since we did anything to actually make a significant change in our immigration policy. It's been promised by every administration on the left and the right. The right always wanting to, you know, actually be stricter on immigration and saying they're going to do that. It doesn't really change. Um, and, and then not providing any legal pathway for people to be law abiding and, and, and come into this country, you know, without breaking a law. Um, because the process now, for those that aren't aware, if you're in Mexico and you're a university student and you're a scientist and you can contribute, or if you're just picking fruit and you can come to this country and contribute and you apply for a visa, you apply for residency. I, I have family members that have been doing this for 12, 13 years, Nick, waiting. You know, and I also have other friends that are like, fuck it, I'm not waiting. I'll pay my $10,000 and I'll make it in three or four months. And they come here and they work their ass off and, and have to do so illegally. But that's the price they're willing to pay, you know, to to, to, to be able to provide some upward mobility for their families. And so, you know, I, I, I look at the Fed policy. I look at the wealth inequality. I look at immigration. I look at wars that are just designed, again, in my mind, just to make defense contractors rich and, and the cost we all pay. And it is clear that we absolutely need a fundamental and structural change in the way the world operates, not just economically um, or financially, but 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 societally. And, um, you know, the, t t too many things that tell me it's intentional for me not to get cynical about government, hence my libertarian leanings and thoughts of, you know, <laughs> all things that just leave me alone and let me contribute and let me... Uh, help society in the way that I can and and be law-abiding and leave it at that, right? Everybody eats chicken. That's right. And so that's what I think about when I think about the stuff like that. Like, uh, you know, you got one cohort pissed off about X and you got this other cohort pissed off about Y. Meanwhile, they're all eating fucking chicken with white stripe disease. 100% is a lot, right? It's a lot. It's like all-time <laughs> like all high lithium prices. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Hodge, that's all I got. Anything else on your mind? What are you watching in the markets this week? We talked uranium. We talked about the pullback. We think, I think we both agree that we think it's healthy. Um, could it run another day or two? Sure. Um, would I be surprised if it lasted into next week? Absolutely, I would be surprised. I think this pullback here, you may see another 5 or 10% down, but I think you should absolutely uh, be using it to your advantage out there. If you missed the first run up, this is a great 20, 30% correction that the market is gifting you. You should be using that to your advantage, in my opinion, um, to top off those uranium holdings or introduce some uranium to your portfolio. Um, what else? What Anything on your end of it, Nick, that, that you're watching this week other than, you know, the Fed meeting Tuesday, Wednesday, which again, with tinfoil hat and all, I, I believe is just you know, they're not going to taper talk now. I mean, I think that's why this sell-off happened. But what are you watching, Mr. Hodge? So we said earnings season is coming up. That's not here yet, but it, it'll be here soon. So that's on my radar. I'm, I'm looking for a follow-through to, to this market sell-off in the beginning of the week, right? We said that, you know, VIX went to its uh, downward trend. I'm interested to see what happens tomorrow, obviously, if they're 
is any follow through to this selling. I'm also keenly watching gold. Gold's gotten its it's gotten its ass handed to it. It's been very uh, volatile. It's been over 18. It's been under 18. It's been moving by uh, wide candles. Uh, I'm interested to see uh, what the gold market has to say about things over the, the next couple of days. Same. I love that we just went 50 minutes and didn't even bring gold up, right? Which again, yeah. again, on a day where the market was down a thousand points at one point, you know, for gold to be up 10 bucks and I think it closed, uh, it closed up higher. I think something like $11 or something like that. Um, did what it's supposed to do. Yes. Not exciting. Yes. It's not Bitcoin 100,000, but I tell you what, uh, <laughs> the gold that I, that I keep <laughs> is still worth pretty much the same that it was last month and the month before that. And, um, a bastion of stability right now. And, and that's what it's designed to do. And, you know, we'll have fun with the gold price later, but I think for now I'm, 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 I'm with you. I'm definitely watching and curious to see which way it turns. Well, and I think, you know, we've said that there were buying opportunities in recent weeks. I told you I was buying Kinross. Kinross is like pretty well at the top of the, mm-hmm. the, gold, the, the gold food chain, right? And so today, what am I looking at? Like you go all the way to the top and things like Franco are looking like buys now. And so like it's, it's, it's right there. Agreed. Agreed. No, I think uh, plenty to chew on. It'll be an interesting week as it always is. I am Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 135 of Bizarro World. Say goodbye, Nick. See ya.